So today's podcast is going to be about immigration. And of course, it has been a major story the last few years with our current president in office, basically coming down an escalator, announcing that he was running for president. And the first thing he starts talking about is immigration. And if you listen to the political pundits in America, if you listen to uh, the talking heads on all of the different shows, um, you read all these different articles, you, you, you tend to believe that the President of the United States wants immigration to be his issue to not only define his administration, but to also help him get reelected. And if you follow global trends, immigration was the main reason why the United Kingdom made its Brexit, made its exit from the European Union. It's been the issue that has created all sorts of division within the European Union. It's an issue that basically in every country, in every continent, except Antarctica, of course, uh, immigration has become a major, major issue. Um, it is a byproduct of wars where you have refugees coming in. Uh, it really exacerbated after the Syrian conflict, or during the Syrian conflict, I should say, where you had refugees trying to find some place to live all over the globe. Um, and I think that exacerbated the discussions in the European Union and led to the UK taking its action. And, you know, and we, and we've seen it, you know, with, with other conflicts as well. And, and we, and we see it with people in Central America, um, trying to find asylum from civil war and gang violence. Right. And this is something that is not new. So, what a lot of people may know or may not know about me is that I actually work for an immigrants' rights organization, the Mississippi Immigrants' Rights Alliance, and served as a board member prior to, prior to actually working for them, right? And having gained some experience in preparing legal documents, attending hearings, dealing with immigration issues because uh, we had to travel to New Orleans a lot of times for those kind of hearings. Um, you know, going through the steps of trying to put together asylum papers, an asylum package, if you will, for clients. Uh, and then just dealing with the day-to-day, everyday fights, right? Um, workers getting paid adequate uh, wages, uh, you know, uh, I would say questionable cooperation between local law enforcement and federal immigration and custom enforcement agents, better known as ICE. Uh, and then, of course, during my work with the ACLU, uh, we had an incident where an ICE agent actually shot um an an, uh, an immigrant resident uh, in Laurel, Mississippi, 
and, and he was unarmed. Fortunately, he did not die, but he was severely wounded. Well, he was wounded. I won't say severely. It was like it was more or less a shot in his arm. But nevertheless, he was unarmed. And the pretense of how that happened was it was a roadblock by the local police, which helped ICE identify people. And So the point I'm making is that what we are seeing, what a lot of people are seeing, what a lot of people, it, this is not new. During my work in, in, with MIRA, Mississippi Immigrants Rights Alliance, um, I was given an opportunity to observe a detention center similar to what you saw members of Congress doing this week. Uh, it was in a place called Jenna, Louisiana. Now, for those who may have heard that name, that is, yes, that's the same place where we had the Jenna Six, right? Where we had the young black men who were arrested for defending themselves against racist white teenagers, right? And now one of them is actually a lawyer, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's the same place. And and there there was an old county jail that a company called GNO, I believe, or GO, or something like that. Um, and they still might be in existence. I think they still operate private prisons throughout the country. Uh, they they had a they turned the old county facility into an immigration detention facility. And so we were given those of us who were activists and other interested parties, we were given a tour, and periodically they're required to do that. Uh, and so, in observing that. Right. Um, it was not the conditions that were that we're seeing now um, that, you know, congressmen have been taking pictures of people, you know, not having running water and drinking out of toilets and all that kind of stuff, not having soap or anything like that. But it was crowded. It was it was it was packed, and you know they were given color codes based on their level of uh, status, as far as where they were in the hearings, uh, or what countries they were from. You know it was just, but you could see the hurting, and they were in big open spaces. It wasn't like private individual cells. It was like these giant areas with bunk beds and. Uh, clearly, you if you had a chance to count, you could see that there were not enough bunk beds for the individuals that were in these detention areas. Now, this was in 2008. So now that's that's 11 years ago, and and we were seeing that kind of development happening. Right, we were seeing that. Um, we were watching how these private companies uh, were basically warehousing individuals. Um, Pre-trial detention, if you will, right? But let me just say this to you. If we were doing the same thing to American citizens, no matter how despicable the crime they committed, no matter 
what kind of atrocities they performed in their communities or whatever. If we did that same exact thing to American citizens, black, white, whatever. Lawsuits would be flying everywhere. We had a guy, that's that's all he did was sue prisons in Mississippi. That's how his, his law practice. Great guy. But that was his practice. And so, you know, some groups I worked with, we were allies and some when I was working with the sheriff's department, he was he was our adversary, right? And I mean, he would sue us if we didn't offer blankets. <laughs> he would sue, you know. I mean, basic things. So just imagine. So now it's like, you know, there's no way. There's no way that citizens would be treated that way, right? Or if they were, it would be even more of an up- outrage now. See, right now you have certain people who are upset, but not everybody's upset. And that's a fundamental problem to me because everybody is human. I mean, you you get people that are more outraged about how dogs are treated, how cats are treated, how farm animals are treated than they do about people who are trying to come into this country to find a better life. And that's all that is. These these are people who are either seeking asylum from criminal or activity of civil war or whatever the case may be, or just being poor, right? It's the, the economic conditions dictate that they're trying to find something else to do. A lot of them would love to stay in Mexico instead of coming all the way to the United States being in an environment where the language that they speak is spoken and find an opportunity closer to home than having to travel all the way through another country to get to the United States. They would prefer that. Mexico has a limited economy themselves. It's not so much that they're anti-immigrant, but they don't have the capacity that the United States does. And, And that's understandable, right? Because the United States is supposed to be the economic power in the world. So, an immigrant labor, whether you acknowledge it or not, fuels this economy to the point where if you really are in the trenches as far as lobbying and dealing with this issue, you will see how much the Chamber of Commerce types really do not like all this anti-immigration legislation. You will really, really see that. Uh, you would you would hear those conversations with business people talking to those strident anti-immigrant politicians saying, yeah, you might need to tone that down, right? So I, I, I'm saying all that is that people, the short end of this is that people need to be offended by what they're seeing, by what members of Congress are reporting. And I really wish that members of Congress that had an R by their name would show the same amount of empathy and the same amount of outrage that the Congress people with the D's by their name are showing. Because it should be equally offensive regardless of what political affiliation you're in when you see that happening. If you want to be on the side of atrocity, if you want to be the side of oppression, if you want to be in total denial that bad things are happening, then 
Let me say this to you. You're the ones that don't belong in this country. You're the ones that don't belong in this democracy. Right? Don't sit there and say, well, if you don't like it, go home. here's, Here's what I would say to you. If you don't think that human beings have a right to a decent existence, America is not the country for you. Right? The concept of America. This is not, you know. Now, historically, we just talked about the original sin of America and all that stuff. We talked about all that. But the concept of America is that it's supposed to be bigger than that, right? The whole premise of the Statue of Liberty, you know, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, right? The Amor Lazarus program. All that is supposed to be about what America is about, right? And so... You can't really do this justice in a short amount of time, so I'm going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to discuss a little more. But I, I just really want to stress that if your heart is hardened to what's going on with these people, I don't care if they're from Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico itself, whatever. If your heart is that hardened to people, then I would suggest to you that you're the ones that need to exercise your right to travel somewhere where your thoughts and your hard-heartedness is accepted, right? And good luck in finding that place because most people, most places that have humans have humanity, right? Uh, and, and that may sound harsh and, and all that stuff, but let me, let me be clear. It is offensive when you sit there and tell people that don't agree with you that they got to leave, Right? That the, the whole First Amendment shoots that argument down. If I don't agree with your position, I don't have the right to tell you to take your passport and go, right? But I do strongly suggest that if you're uncomfortable being in a society that's free, then you may need to explore other options, right? And and you and 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 we've got to get to a point where, you know. Like I said, what I have seen this week is not surprising considering I saw the foundations of that over a decade ago. And as you continue to privatize institutions that are supposed to be part of the public domain, you're going to continue to see that. Because if the motivation is profit instead of people... People lose in that equation. Be right back. So to continue this immigration discussion, one of the privileges of being an elected official and even running for positions of, of, of importance is that you get to have a, a you, you're in that laboratory of democracy right you're in that spot where you can propose legislation or you can um, you know throw out ideals for public debate um, and and even debate amongst candidates right so as a legislator based on my experiences and what I was watching, 
one of the things I tried to get past was a situation where you had employers, primarily a lot of these poultry processing plants, we call them chicken plants in Mississippi, but that were hiring people, Latino workers, uh, immigrant workers, undocumented, documented, whatever the case may be. And they were hiring them. And so they were working in in places, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't want to work, right? And, and, and so some people got the brilliant idea, well, they need a place to stay. So they were setting up these like trailer parks and they were having anywhere from eight to 10 of these workers living in one trailer in a park. But now here's the catch, right? If, if you and I wanted to rent that trailer, say the guy said, well, I'm going to charge you $800 a month and you move in with whoever, you know, if you get a roommate and y'all split the cost, whatever. What these people were doing was they were setting up these trailers and they were charging each individual person in the trailer the $800. So instead of $800 divided amongst eight people, it was $800 per person, right? So they were getting like $6,400 off a trailer that you and I could get for $800, right? Okay, so... For years and years, I tried to push legislation and even got, you know, the Manufactured Housing Association. They were concerned, what were you trying to do, this, that, and the other. But it got people's attention to the point where even though the bill never passed, the practice ended. Uh, Because people were being made aware. And when the association was made aware, they were checking into what members were (laughs) carrying on that practice. And they admonished them for doing that if not flat out threaten them <laughs> with legal action, right? So you, you, you have that moment. Um, and, I, and that's basically, you know, and that was just, just observing, right? How people are being treated. It's the same thing that's going on now. It's like what, how we see people are being treated um, is, is leading to legislation. Uh, you had the $4.6 billion aid package to go to uh, Homeland Security to take care and, and Border Patrol primarily to take care of the immediate needs that are happening. A lot of the riders that people wanted to put in to protect the immigrants were, were taken out, but nonetheless. And so let me let's let's go through real quick because I don't have a whole lot more time, but I want to get some points out. You know, because people on the other side of the argument are are have always made their argument based on linguistics, right? We talked about this last thing when you say Democrat Party instead of Democratic Party. Considering it's the oldest party in the world, uh, it deserves to be called by its right name, right? So it's the same thing. It's like illegal aliens. It's like some out of a science fiction movie. These, these are, and I understand in old legal terms, alien is the term that's being used for people that are foreign nationals, right? But they're undocumented immigrants. And the reason why we stress that term is because one of the re- things that should have been done financially 
dealing with Homeland Security and all that is to put more money into people and processes, right? Because half of the people who are in this country undocumented are here because their paperwork hasn't gone through. It's not because they snuck in and it's, you know, it's just this raid of all this. These are people who applied the proper way, whether it was for a work visa, whatever, student visa, whatever the case may be. They, they filled out their paperwork. They came here in good faith. They show up and their paperwork hasn't been processed, right? And so certain people in the immediate family, they can get processed within six months. Is when you start adding cousins or other folks, that's when it gets complicated. And there's like a big waiting list. And if you go to the State Department website and in the visa section, you will see how long certain countries have for a waiting list. That is an atrocity in itself at some point. And that's because we have quotas. We have, you know, certain countries have a quota as to how many people from that country can successfully immigrate into the United States, right? So that's part of all of that issue as far as like dealing with these quotas and all that. So it's a processing issue more than anything else. You are now seeing because the ebb and flow of humanity going back and forth you know, it varies just like the weather and it varies based on economic conditions. When, when the recession was happening in the United States, people weren't coming here. People were leaving, going back home because they couldn't find any work. As soon as the economy got better, people were starting to come in. And now with certain situations, again, this is the reason why the United States needs to be a better neighbor and can't be an isolationist, right? Because had the United States done more to help Mexico during their agricultural crisis, you wouldn't have seen a lot of migrant farmers coming in. But then again, we never would have had Cesar Chavez and the and the migrant farmers movement and all that. But nonetheless, had the United States had a better outreach policy with some of the Latin American countries dealing with their agricultural products, more people would find work in their native countries. And, and be able to survive as opposed to coming here and trying to find work, right? So that's that's other things. Uh, and then we, you know, a century or so ago, we didn't seem to have a problem, you know, on a little island that was not even four miles square footage, right? European immigrants came to that island called Ellis Island and got processed. They even got their names changed, right? Our, our president is a descendant of those folks. Their names were changed to what the current name is now, right? Through Ellis Island. All these immigrants came through there. They got names. They were job placement, neighborhood placement, all these kind of things. I, it, it, was, it was helping them adjust, and we managed to do that. On a little four-acre island, or mile island, I'm sorry. We managed to do that. So, you know, my question and my challenge was, when I was a candidate, I said, why can't we do the same thing in El Paso? You got Sierra Juarez right across the border, funnel people in, go across to El Paso, create a southern Ellis Isle, for lack of a better term to process people the right way, right? And then you have the Border Patrol 
to make sure that if these folks want to come in, you send them to El Paso. You get them processed, right? Tell them, hey guys, come around, come this way, instead of trying to detain people, right? Because if they if they can get processed, if there's no problem, if they don't have any background issues, if they can get processed, they can come in. But the trick is, is that you have a group of folks that really don't want to see any kind of demographic change in the United States. Now, you would think there'd be a minority in this country, but they're vocal. And so solutions that you throw out there that seem practical, seem radical and insane to them because their mindset is, we want the complexion of the country to be a certain way. That's about as delicate and as polite as I can say that, right? They want to keep the complexity of the country the way it is. Never mind the shift in population. And that's the reason why the president was trying to push this issue about asking questions of citizenship on the census. Where the census is about who's in the country right now. It's a snapshot of what's going on in the country every 10 years. And if you do things to try to devalue uh, or or to discourage people from participating in the census, then that impacts what benefits that population will get from the government that's supposed to represent them or at least look out for them while they're here, right? And, and even to the point now where we're seeing a lot of the tactics, that's one tactic, and we're seeing other tactics that, were similar in effect to trying to suppress black voting strength in the South. We have a lawsuit in Georgia where people who are Puerto Rican. Now, so you understand, people who are Puerto Rican are basically U.S. citizens, right? They actually have somebody that represents them in the United States House of Representatives, right? They're a territory. So... You know, that that member doesn't vote, but that member is seated. Right. So they have the same privileges as any other U.S. citizen, because we're basically occupying force, for lack of a better term, in that island. They're our territory, just like Guam, just like American Samoa. Right. Uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Okay, so. They have they're they're basically U.S. citizens. So the lawsuit states that these folks were being asked questions, you know, like what, you know, what certain native dishes and what is a frog that is indigenous to Puerto Rico, right? To test and see if these people really are Puerto Rican. Never mind the fact that they have a Social Security card, which would indicate they're probably Puerto Rican, right? Uh, because only U.S. citizens can get those. Uh, never mind their birth certificate or anything like that. You know, and then they were illegally holding the documents, at least for the plaintiff in this case, right? So they're, they're trying to discourage people who legally can be in this country and on the mainland even, and trying to discourage them from getting a driver's license, let alone anybody else. Um, so again, 
The reason why marijuana is illegal in the United States was to discourage people from Mexico and other Latin American countries to come because the perception was those were the people that smoked marijuana. And so if we make it illegal, they won't come to this country because they can't smoke it. That's, that's, that's our history, right? We find ways, people in power find ways to manipulate people who are not in power that want to be in power to discriminate against other folks. People talk about Willie Lynch and how there was a formula set up to divide black people. The ultimate division is rich white people and poor white people. And, and, and there's always been in America a way that people manipulate other folks who want to be like them, right? To, to do their dirty work statistical anomaly so you'll understand only seven percent of the white people in the state of mississippi own slaves seven 93 percent of the men that were able to fight in the civil war for mississippi fought including every male student at the university of mississippi the university grace and they all got wiped out so just a little fun fact when you watch Ole Miss play, notice what color pants they wear. No matter what uniform top they got, notice what color their pants are. They're gray. That's an homage to those men who sacrificed their lives for that 7% in the Civil War. Right? So, anyway, I throw all that out there to say this. America's immigration issue is historically as bad as slavery and Jim Crow because it's rooted out of the same place. Racism. And once we get out of that headspace of being racist and being obnoxious to other human beings, a lot of these problems we can fix. We talked about reparations last time. We can fix immigration too if we can stop being a racist nation and live up to the ideals that this country on paper was supposed to achieve. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.